We have learned that by default, a person's tchum boundary for a given Shabbos is measured from wherever he is staying for Shabbos. So if he lives in some town, and the halacha will be that we will measure from the outskirts of that town 2,000 amas in each direction, the person will not be permitted to go beyond that imaginary tchum boundary. But if a person knows that on Shabbos he wants to, let's say, uh, travel 3,000 amas due west of his town, and you can make arrangements to make that possible through Eruve Tachumen, which means the person takes some food and deposits that within 2,000 amas of both the place he wants to get to on Shabbos and the outskirts of his town. And by doing so, the person symbolically establishes his Mokum Shvisa, his place of residence, to be at the spot where he deposited that food. And as a result, we measure the 2,000 Amma Techum limit from that point. And being that his hometown, where he's actually staying for Shabbos, and the place he wants to get to are both within 2,000 Ammas of the Erev, we perfectly permitted for him to walk to that place on Shabbos. And we must place the Erev food there before Shabbos. If the Erev is properly placed there at the onset of Shabbos, then his place of residence is established at that spot, even if later, on Shabbos, the food gets lost or destroyed, if it was properly in place when Shabbos started, then his place of residence is established there for the remainder of Shabbos. So practically speaking, this means the person has to make sure to place the Arab food at the desired place before Shkia, before sundown on Friday. But the truth is that at sundown on Friday, it's not the case that Shabbos definitely begins then. Rather, Sunset ushers in a period called Bein Hashmashos, a kind of twilight period that lasts until the emergence of a certain number of stars, which is a definite nightfall. The time period between a sunset and Tzitzikochavim is a period of halachic uncertainty. We're not sure at what moment in that period we transition to the new day, and in this case to Shabbos. Now, of course, since at the moment of sunset, it's possible that Shabbos actually started. A person cannot do an actual malacha then, meaning commit a biblical violation of Shabbos. However, as a general rule, the halacha is that if there is some activity on Shabbos which is only prohibited, mishum shvos, it's rabbinically forbidden activity that could be performed during the benishmashos period. For generally speaking, the rabbinic said that they did not impose there are decrees of Shabbos during the Benishmoshes period, again, when it's not clear that Shabbos actually started. Now, we saw in Mishnah Aleph that in order for the Erev to be valid, it must be placed somewhere where it will be accessible to the Baal Erev. How would it make sense to say that on the basis of putting some food in some place, that we say, oh, he's living there for Shabbos, when he can't actually access the food in question? And so the halach is that if the Erev food is inaccessible to the person for whatever reason, whether you know, physically inaccessible or whether he's not permitted to access it for halachic reason, that's not going to be a valid Erev. On the flip side, if the Erev food was accessible to the person at the time period of Benesh Mashos, even if later on Shabbos it became inaccessible to him, then that'll be fine, that'll be a perfectly kosher Erev. So the Mishnah states as follows, The person before Shabbos deposited his Erev on a tree at a height of above 10 Tfachim. And of course he wasn't 
trying to say that he's uh, living in the tree for Shabbos. What he was trying to do is say, I want to put the Arab in a safe place, put it, you know, lodge it in the tree there. And he wanted to thereby establish his place of residence to be on the ground, you know, right next to or under the tree. The Mishnah rules in such a case, Ain a ruvo Erev. The Erev is not valid, for the tree has the status of a Shosayachid. It's at least 10 Tvachim high, and it has a width of at least 4 Tvachim, so it meets the dimensions of a Rishosayachid. Meanwhile, the surrounding area of the tree is a Rishosayachid. It's not enclosed, everybody could go there. It's the public domain, which means that it would be biblically forbidden for this person on Shabbos to get the food from the tree and enjoy that in his place of residence. That means that at the crucial moment of Benishmashos, at sundown on Friday, the air of food was inaccessible to him. The air of therefore is invalid. It's as if you put nothing there, and so his place of Shriza will be whatever the default place is, you know, his actual hometown. If he was hoping to go somewhere at 2,000 Amas, so within the place where the tree is, then he's out of luck, it's a bad air of. However, if he placed the air of on a branch of the tree that's lower than 10 Tvachim, a Ruvo Erev, and that Erev is valid because a branch coming out of the tree at under 10 Tvachim does not have the status of a Shosayachid. Shosayachid has to have a height of 10 Tvachim. Rather, such a branch would have the status of a Carmelis, which is a zone that measures 4 by 4 Tvachim, but it doesn't meet the criteria of a Shosayachid or a Shosayachid. Now, there is a Shvus, there's a rabbinic decree which says that one is not allowed to even carry from a Carmelis to a different type of Rishos. For example, to Rishos HaRabim. And so, say Shabbos morning, it would be forbidden for this person to take his food on the Carmelis branch and take that below to the Rishos HaRabim. However, as we mentioned previously, our Mishas of the opinion that an activity which is prohibited, Mishim Shvus, only because of a rabbinic decree, is permitted during the Benash Mashos period. Which means that at sundown of Friday, this person was allowed to take the air food from the branch down to his desired place of residence, the Rosh Hashanah below, and that's all we need to make this a valid Erev. As long as we can say that the Erev was accessible to him at the moment of sundown during Bein Hashmashos, and that's good enough. Even though after the stars come out, it's for sure, night he will not be allowed anymore to take the food from the branch and have that below, that doesn't matter. And so his place of residence is established on the ground and next to the tree, and therefore will measure his etchum, 2,000 amas, from there. The mission rules further, if nasno babar, a person placed his erevitachumid food in a barn, a pit, so he put it there before Shabbos, a filu amma, even if the pit is very deep, 100 amas deep, so obviously such a pit would have the status of a Rosh And the person wasn't saying that he's going to be living in the pit for Shabbos. At least he's putting the food there again for safekeeping. What he wants is for his place of residence to be established at the edge of the pit, above ground. The type of area you would find the pit would generally be in a Carmelis, some kind of a valley or a field. So we're talking about that the area surrounding the pit is a Carmelis. Therefore, in this case too, a Ruva Erev, that's a perfectly valid Erev. Since uh, here too, at the crucial time period of Ben Hashmashos, he was able to access Erev food. He would be able to take that from the pit and have that at the edge or just outside of the pit 
for again, a rabbinically forbidden activity going from Rosh to Carmelis is not forbidden in Rabbinish So being that it was accessible, he was able to bring it to his desired place of residence. At Rabbinish that's a kosher Erev. She discusses another case if Nasna Barosha Konem Barosha Kundas. One place is Erev food for Shabbos on top of a, a reed or a pole. And what he's trying to do is establish his place of residence to be right next to this reader pole. The Mishnah rules, It's provided that in the case of the reed, it's not actually growing from the ground, you're rooted in the ground, but was detached at some point and then stuck in the ground. Obviously that's the case of the pole. Even if that is a hundred amas tall, it's a perfectly valid Erev. For what is the halachic status of the top of this reader pole? So we call a makam pitur. It's clearly not a rishosah yachad or rishosah rabim. It's not even a karmelis because to be a karmelis you have to have four by four tefachim. Here we're talking about this pole. So obviously you're less than four by four tefachim. So that gets an even more lenient status. It's called a makam pitur. It's totally exempt, meaning it's permissible throughout Shabbos to carry from that place to a different rishos, it's totally excluded from any carrying prohibition. Therefore, since the food on top of the pole is accessible to him, he's able to get that from the pole and have that on the ground below, that's a perfectly valid Erev. And the Mishnah does qualify that if we're talking about a reed, it can't be rooted in the ground. The reason is because if it were rooted in the ground, then it wouldn't be a valid Erev because there would be a prohibition to climb that to read to get the food on top for fear that he might you know, snap something, snap off a piece of the reed coming from the ground, which would be a violation of the malach of Kotzer. Now you'll say that, didn't we say that if it's only rabbinically forbidden, it's not a problem, because rabbinically forbidden activities are not prohibited during Benish Mashas, according to this Mishnah. But the answer is, not all rabbinic prohibitions are created equal. This one is particularly stringent because the Rabbanan Assess that it's basically inevitable that you're going to break something from this your flimsy little reed if you start you know, climbing that to get the food on top. And so the Rabbanon upheld this particular rabbinic decree even during the uncertain Benishmashas period. Therefore, if we're talking about a reed that's rooted to the ground, we would be discussing an era that's inaccessible even during the initial Benishmashas period. And so in that case, the era would not be valid. In the final case, the Mishnah says, Nasno ba Migdal, if you place the Erev food in some kind of a large chest, which has some kind of a, a lock mechanism made from ropes, and he lost the key. Allah is that nevertheless, a Reza Erev. It's a valid Erev. Even though he doesn't have the key to this rope lock mechanism, he could still access the food in the closet by cutting the rope with a knife. Now, doing so would be rabbinically forbidden in the middle of Shabbos, but since during Benish Mashos, the Rabbanan didn't impose their decrees, he would have been able to access the food in there at Benish Mashos. So that's good enough. That meets the requirement. It's a valid Erev. But Rabbi Erev. he doesn't have the key, he doesn't know where that is, then this is not a valid Erev. The reason is as follows, Rabbi Yezer has a stringent opinion when it comes to the laws of Mukta. His view, moving the knife for the purpose of cutting the rope lock would be forbidden under the laws of Mukta. And normally when we think of Mukta, we think of something like a hammer, which is mainly used for something that you can't do on Shabbos. But in Rabbi Yezer's opinion, even though the knife you know, clearly is not something 
whose purpose is something that's forbidden on Shabbos, you obviously could cut food with that. His view, you have to use it for its primary purpose. The knife is not primarily for cutting ropes. Therefore, using it for that purpose on Shabbos is mukta, it's a prohibition of tiltal. And that's in addition to the fact that Midr it's considered a forbidden act of destroying to destroy the lock. And so taking a knife to cut the lock would violate two distinct rabbinic decrees. And therefore, Bliezi argues that being that you know, practically accessing this food entails a, a double rabbinic violation that's going to be prohibited even at Benishmashos. Therefore, it emerges that right from the beginning, right at Benishmashos, the Arab food was inaccessible to the person. He wouldn't be able to get that to his place of residence just outside of the closet. Therefore, this Arab is not valid.